All right, everyone, welcome back to the Brothers of Thunder podcast. Uh, we got a special guest, two special guests today. We have this beautiful lady right here. She find his wine. Hell. Chocolate mocha, counselor extraordinaire. <laughs> and um, she's a regular to the show, uh, but we got a new one. Uh, she is a therapist, yoga extraordinaire. Can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jen Hart. I currently reside in Philadelphia, but I grew up as a military brat, so I've been everywhere. Um, I'm currently a psychotherapist. I'm a yoga instructor, and I particularly cater to BIPOC and religious communities when it comes to my counseling style and like the preferences of clients that I love to work with. And before we start, one of your videos that you posted with your daughter and <laughs> she was acting, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I forgot. They're all really good. They're all so good. But I remember the one with her daughter. <laughs> Man, you need to put that girl in some, some acting schools. Y'all going to Hollywood, man. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, my TikToks. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. Really good she stuff. She fell out. Her feet was all in the air. I said, man, she sold that thing. <laughs> oh man. But you good? You've been doing good? Yes, I've been doing fairly well. Yeah. I am, I feel strong. I feel mentally healthy, stable. And that's a lot to say during this time and age with yeah. everything going on. So I'm very grateful. All right. So the, the topic, I have two uh, professionals on the podcast today because I want to talk about Jesus and therapy. I think sometimes the church is always like a step behind <laughs> everything that's going on, uh, especially when it comes to uh, being well. And I really wanted to uh, dispel a lot of rumors, uh, anything that's not true, any hesitancy that people may have as far as getting into uh, therapy and, and whatnot. So that's why I invited you to, to the podcast. So y'all ready? And yeah. I'm going to shut up. I talk a lot. <laughs> I talk a lot. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut and leave it up to the professionals. Uh, but one of the things that uh, I want to ask is what exactly is therapy and what does it look like? So Nikki, you want to go first? Well, I'm a, we're in two different field so she's the uh, psychotherapist and i'm uh -huh. in school counseling um so i'll let you go with that and i'll piggyback off of what you got okay um so psychotherapy i would say is a way that people can address a mental illness a psychological distress uh, a problem that they're having in their life uh, any kind of dysregulation and balance um it could be also trauma-related, problems with family, problems with job. It can be a problem with anything. And it's just basically talking with someone about it. And it's very different than life coaching. I want to make that distinction because there's a rise in life coaching. And I think it's dangerous to go to a life coach when you have like a diagnosable mental illness because, well, I can talk about the differences later, but Psychotherapy is specifically talking to a mental health professional mm. about a distress that you have, not a life coach. Can you distinguish between the two? A mental health professional, they have gone to school usually for two or three years. Um, they've learned the science behind mental health. 
they've learned how to apply the science and they also had to be in the field in order to graduate. There are some life coaches, um, they have their place, but it's not to address something that's a diagnosable condition such as depression, bipolar, you know, something that we're going to find in the DSM. Um, there are programs out here where you can be a life coach and you can go for two years and there's some where you can only go for one month. Mm -hmm. So if you want someone that is like, you're sure that they've been in school and that they've had training for longer than two years, you'll go to a psychotherapist. Mm -hmm. Correct. Cause like a life coach, I mean, you can get a certificate. Um, you can yeah. do some sort of <laughs> short program and get your life coach certificate. So that's important to distinguish the difference between the two. You know what that remind me of? I'm sorry, I'm I'm too silly, but it's it's a uh, a popular guy that's going around social media who's trying to teach people self defense, and so uh -huh. you know what I'm talking about. It's a guy he got the slick hair, and he'd be like, if somebody's pointing a gun mm -hmm. at you, mm -hmm. you should do this. <laughs> if the gun is to the rear of your head, pin here to the column, drive away. It'll peel out. And I knew that one go work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's a difference between somebody who is a professional uh, in martial arts or something like that. It's like, no, yes. that that has its time and place. But if you want some real right. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry, y'all go ahead. No, um, I just thought it was important to distinguish the two. Like you said, life coaching is becoming popular. It's trendy. Um, but if you want some real help on what's going on in your life, See a, see a real therapist yeah. with the credentials yeah. like um, Jen was talking about. Yeah, and that's that's really that's important for uh, trauma, right? Because I think that we don't really explain exactly what is trauma. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I think the the idea that some people have is that you just go see a therapist when you're sad. You know what I mean? And then sometimes, like, there's no you may have some trauma. And I hope I ain't going too far ahead, but you may have some trauma, some things that happened to you when you were two or three, and you don't understand how it's manifesting in your life at 35 and 40. You know what I'm saying? So like, can y'all speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And well, the first thing I think, and Jen, you may agree, um, is that a lot of people don't understand what trauma is, or they don't classify certain things as trauma. Um like there are some key things that if you mention it, that's traumatic. Okay, so mm -hmm. like a sexual assault. We most people would agree that's trauma. Just something on a smaller level. I was thinking about when um my oldest son was, I don't know, he was like four. I don't know if you remember this and oh, I don't know if you took him to soccer that day with me, but we went to soccer practice and it was near a big road and um a dog came out of nowhere and was hit by a car in front of these little kids. And oh. um, yeah, my son brought that up maybe for the next two weeks. He wanted to know that that dog was okay. Um, it's 10 o'clock at night and he's up, he's looking out the blinds to check, I don't even know, cause what he wasn't in that street to make sure the dog was not out there. <laughs> that is trauma, that's traumatic yeah, for a four year old. Yeah. Um, so it's just not these big key things that people always assume that that's trauma. People suffer from trauma in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to add to that at all, but 
Mm-hmm. Well, I know I have to be careful whenever I hear someone say trauma because that's another buzzword that's mm-hmm. out now. It's like everybody, trauma, trauma, trauma. Right. Yeah. But it's like, literally, I could see what your son saw and not be traumatized. And then he could see it and be traumatized. The difference is the science behind that is how does our nervous system respond to that event Mm -hmm. or the series of events? So this is where the science of what you're dealing with is really important when you go to whatever you decide to go to. But like, you know, if you want to deal with trauma, it's like you have to pay attention to what happened and how they're processing it afterward because I mean, literally, I could go through something like that and be like, oh, okay, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad you brought up the age, too, because, you know, since you work with kids, that's where your head goes. And I wasn't I wasn't thinking of age Mm because I'm so used to thinking of adults. But like, that's really important, too. Like, what age were they? Because some kids, they don't have the capacity to deal with things such as that, where if you're an adult, you have you have more tools. Yeah. You know, tools to deal with it. Why is it so hard? for Christians, and I, I want to say Christians um, because I know sometimes when I say church, everybody instantly say, you talking about my church? It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say believers. Why do, you, why do you think it's so hard for believers to, to try therapy or see a counselor or a therapist? I know I also explore like culture. Because depending on what Christian that, you know, they have of their culture, that that influences whether they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, like African-American communities or people of color, um, <clears throat> their usual belief is, you know, you, you, need, to, you need to pray first. Right. <laughs> you need right. to pray first. And you might not find that amongst uh, like Orthodox or um, like WASP communities. Um, but I know from my experience and what I've heard um, is that they think that, uh, you know, you need to pray mm-hmm. and then God can heal you. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's this black and white thinking that I'm just going to pray and then God can heal me. Or it's this belief that if you do share your trouble with someone else, that you have less dependence on God, mm-hmm. but they're not equally exclusive. Like they, they don't, those two thoughts like don't blend together. Like you literally can have community mm-hmm. and you can have God and you can have people that function in their gifts and their calling of being a counselor, mm-hmm. you know, with, and then you can still go to church. You can still believe in God. Um, and then like counseling is not a religious construct in itself. So it's like you literally can be of any faith and so mm-hmm. to counseling without saying that you're putting a faith or belief above god or christianity because counseling is not a religion you know it's it's literally sitting down talking to someone that you know you could have a counselor that believes in god and believes in the science of god and and believes in how god has constructed the body and has started to understand how trauma affects the body and the brain right and that's okay but there's like this stigma behind it and it's really sad i think it's changing now like there's a shift i think because a lot of people are in crises but it, it really is a stigma, and most of it is just this belief that you can't talk to someone else and talk to God without mm-hmm. forfeiting your beliefs or your faith, which, no, it, it, that doesn't add up. Like, right. <clears throat> you can confess your sins to one another. 
Um, you can go to someone that has knowledge and zeal and the, you know, the construct of counseling. And then um, one of my favorite scriptures is um, a merry heart worketh good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drives the bones. So it's like, you're also addressing your physical health, like your temple of God, you're addressing that because you're taking your concerns to someone in your community and your assembly of faith that knows how to address it. I think we sometimes look at it like we are not, like you said, not trusting in God and putting our hope in man. Um, so this this person that I'm talking to um, can help me more than God. And that's not necessarily what it is. Um, my faith is not strong enough because if I just pray, then these issues that I'm battling um, will go away. Like Jen said, you'll be healed. Um, and then we, you know, scriptures like cast your cares upon the Lord. That is what we are supposed to do upon the Lord and the Lord only, you know, <laughs> like not a therapist. It says cast your cares upon the Lord. And so, you know, it, right. traditionally, right. that's what we do. And then I think, like you said, talking about culture, um, I can only speak for black people, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we're taught to sort of keep our business in house and close, you know, close to the chest. So the idea of going to talk to someone and exposing things and, and telling business is not looked upon favorably either. Like yeah. we're not that, um, I think culturally that comfortable just going and talking um, right. to someone. So, um, but, but the, the interesting thing is we have a lot of, emphasis on talking to the pastor so like pastoral counseling who um may or may not be trained in anything um that's okay that part of it is okay going to talk to your pastor and getting counseling from your pastor but when you're talking about a, a licensed mental health professional that's when it's sort of like uh -uh, don't do that yeah right go talk to god <laughs> You'll be good. You'll be all right. So, yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, on the on the same lines, do you believe that churches should uh, offer those services? Uh, do you think that there should be some licensed uh, counselors on the the team? Uh, should there be some ministries? Like, how do you how like if I was a, a pastor and I'm listening to this? And you you know in your head things need to change, but you're like, man, I don't know where to start. Like, how would you at least get that pastor on the the right steps towards uh, being more open to therapy? Oh my goodness, I don't even know how to answer that in like two sentences. <laughs> um, I would say, well, I'm just gonna address the importance. The importance is that someone can be worse off if they don't get the right treatment. And what I mean by that is if someone has a trauma or, you know, a mental illness and that concern that they have is not addressed appropriately, you can actually mess them up more. Wow. Um, it's like they can be re-traumatized. Right. So if a person is talking to someone and they don't know how to address it, they can literally make them worse mentally, physically, socially, and then collectively, because we're not in like this incubator where our actions are not affecting others. Mm. So it's like, you're you're not just affecting that person, but like you're, you're in totality affecting whoever's in their home, whoever they're a caretaker for, whoever they have overseas, like, you know, it, 
way more than just the person sitting in front of you. Right. So if, if you're not going to like hire someone and at least have a list of people that you can consult them out to. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a church before and they didn't have any, you know, therapists there on site, but the ministerial staff had a list of people that they could refer them to, but mm-hmm. they actually gave them that option and they actually presented it and said, look, Um, we don't have the tools that we think you would best serve you now, but we want to send you to someone that is of faith, is a Christian, but also is licensed and knows how to address your concerns. So I would say one of those, like, if you're not going to hire someone then at least present the option, but don't, don't have people sitting in a congregation with like an issue and you don't address it, knowing how to address it with training and clarity on how to address it because otherwise you're messing people up. I agree. That's crazy. I, I just finished listening to, um, it's a podcast, the, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Um, and in oh, this yeah. podcast, it's been so good. And this last yeah. episode, there was a, a, a wife and she was talking and she was saying like how she had some, some sexual, uh, hangups in her life and her husband wasn't helping. And so she was going to the the elders and the elders were just, you know, I am man, hear me roar. You need just need just please your husband and be a good wife. And like they were cultivated. And just like you said, they were re traumatizing her because she she had some things that she needed help and she was reaching out. And so, yeah, like, that's yeah like to piggyback on what you both are saying, like, I think that's awesome that that church had resources available to the congregation. Um, So like you said, we can't help you, but here, try these um, licensed professionals. I think the danger may also come when you just, what the church tends to do is say, here, just go talk to so-and-so, sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. They're not licensed. They don't have the training. So that's where you get into the, uh, like you said, re-traumatizing them and making things worse. Um, Or then a lot of... um, you're talking to someone from your own worldview and your own biases, like oh, like you said, just please your husband or whatever. Yeah. Um, no, you need to you need to go talk to someone prof- that's a professional. So the yeah. church would, like Jen said, hire somebody, have somebody in there, or provide the resources, but don't just have oh, just go talk to sister so and so, go talk to brother so and so, not to address mental health concerns, right. Maybe yeah. some different issues in your life, but something serious going on, definitely um, a professional. I also want to add, like, as far as the importance of it, um, whenever someone is going through something, it's like, like I said, it's, it's a collective thing. So every person that they come in contact with is affected. But the way mental health and like trauma and um, bad situations and circumstances it literally affects us down to our DNA. So it can become like a generational thing. So it's way more than just, oh, Susie Q has an issue. Let's just pray about this. It's like, no, if Susie Q has an issue and we don't address this, her kid can be messed up. They can have higher chances of alcoholism and addictive behavior. And their mar- their, their kid's marriage can fall apart because they see whatever's going on with Susie Q. And then Susie Q takes on the DNA of all this trauma. And then she gives birth to a child. And then our child has higher chances of depression. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's really a domino thing. Yeah. So I, I try to tell people that like, this is way more than just 
CCQ has an issue. Like, it's really important to understand, send them to somebody that can actually help them. Otherwise, it's going to be a domino effect with whatever they're going through. Let me ask you this, um, and this is a little backtrack a little bit. How do you go about locating and finding uh, a therapist or a counselor? Like, because I know my first time uh, seeing a therapist, I was clueless. Like, I didn't know. I'm calling different numbers from, like, that my job gave me. And I'm, like, hitting dead ends. And it it almost got to a point. It's like, man, psh, I ain't want to do this anyway. Frustrating. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, like, like what are, what are some ways that you can help someone, like, okay, this is how you get started. This is where you go. This is what to look out for. This is what you want to do. Avoid this. Like, what are some of those things? I didn't even think of what to avoid. Like when you said it, I'm like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking of like, I made a list in front of me because I was like, I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> but like one of them would be um, what's their specialty or like what is it that they're really good at working at? Because some people, they're good at trauma. Some people, they're good at stress. Others are good at anxiety. But um, I would look out for any therapist that said they specialize in everything under the moon, under the sun. Like they yeah. don't have a specialty. They're just straight out of school and yeah. they don't really, even if they don't like, if they don't have a specialty, like what is their passion? What have they been studying? Um, what do they have a liking to? Um, how long have they been in practice? Are they licensed? Are they not? Where are they in the process of licensure? How long have they been in practice? Um, I also put um, rights and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I put that because um, I try to tell people, be on the lookout for therapists that are not upfront about what their responsibilities are to you. Because I, I've seen it. I've seen therapists that have like a personality disorder, but they're still therapists. And that puts the client into a really weird bind because they're behaving in ways that are abnormal, dysfunctional, and the client is paying for services. So it's like you got to work with someone that has good boundaries that can respect your needs, your wants, your, you know, your, they know what they bring to the table, what their responsibilities are. Um, that they have fluid communication with you. Not that you can call them at four o'clock in the morning, but like, if you ask them a question about, you know, invoices, your chart, your treatment plan, um, that they, they're honest with you and like forthright and not finicky and shady, right, <laughs> like right, really right. important for someone to be like really honest. And then, um, I put, um, what are their counseling goals? So I would ask, how do you help client of my need meet their goals? Because it's kind of like putting them on a spot of like, if I came in and I said, hey, I have problems with like anxiety and I have problems sleeping, how do you help a client with that? Because then, you know, right then and there, like, do they really know how to handle my issue or do they don't? Or mm -hmm. they don't know how to do it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's all I put. Oh, and how to prepare for your first session. Because um, your first session should be an assessment. So when I say that, it should be like a biopsychosocial where they're looking at the entirety of your life, like your social network. Um, do you have a psychiatrist? Um, how's your sleep? How's your eating? That kind of thing. If they don't, that's a red flag. Like they, they need to know then just what you're coming to counseling for. They need to have a synopsis of how you're doing totally in your whole life. 
But yeah, I think that's it on my list. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, what are some 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 warning signs or like what are some things that you can be mindful of and you can say to yourself, man, I need to see a therapist. Like for me, on Juneteenth, like I was cooking on a grill and like I just started getting hot and I'm, my breathing is getting cut short. I'm like, this is the grill. And I step away from the grill and it's still going. And I'm like, oh crap, I think I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> like I, and, and that was a warning sign, but I know talking to my therapist, I know that there were like plenty of red flags that if I was more mindful of, well, I'm not even gonna say I was more mindful. Of. I was mindful. I was just trying to be he man, right? <laughs> and so, like, had I probably listened to my body and my spirit earlier, I probably wouldn't have even gotten to that point of a panic attack. So, what are some of those things? Is it something that you recognize and then you go and it's a one off, like for a few sessions a year, or is it something that you should already have in your tool belt? Um, that is a really tricky question for me to answer because when most people come to therapy, they're already well past gone of calm or like even having mindfulness or being able to be like, oh, I had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. Most people that have a panic attacks and they don't even know that's what it is. They're just like, oh, I have a headache and oh, I'm stressed out and oh, I can't sleep. Like it's usually like I, I could say if you're having things in, in life that are happening that make life harder for you then you can check with the therapist. So it could be like problems going to sleep. That could be an issue. It could be I'm having a problem juggling my work in school and home. That could be a problem. Um, it could be, you know, I'm, I'm sweating a whole lot whenever I go to work and I, I can't sleep the night before. Like, because most people, when they have something that they're diagnosed for, they don't even know that's what it is until they see somebody. And then they're like, oh, crap, like, I'm really, yeah. I'm really messed up. And it's hard for someone to pinpoint a problem when they don't even know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say for sure, um, like, like you were talking about paying attention to your body. And then like, um, if, if you have community, if you have um, people in your life that you can trust their judgment that know you, um, I would even ask them like, you know, just having a forefront conversation, like, hey, how do you think I'm doing? Like, do you think that I'm able to keep up? Do you think I pay attention to you when you're talking? Um, how do you think I'm, you know, do you think I'm mindful? Do, like, most of the time, other people around you notice stuff before you do. And that's mm -hmm. why it's like, it's good to have a therapist because you're literally talking to someone outside of yourself. Wow. Um, but yeah, sometimes that's a tricky one because they come in crises. They, people yeah. do not show up to counseling like, Hey, everything's fine. And this yeah. is my one problem. They're usually calling like, this is a slew of problems and it's been going on <laughs> for six months. And I didn't even know that it was bad until now. I think if you're feeling overwhelmed, you know, that feeling of being overwhelmed, if you have, um, some major life changes and a major event happen in your life. Um, death is one. Um, a divorce may be something that you want to process with. The one I see, I see it a lot with kids in the schools. Um, when they lose a parent, I think you need counseling. And a lot of times I think of 
parents and the remaining family members, we use the word resilient a lot with our kids. And yes, they are very resilient, but that is yeah. such a big thing for a little person to process that, um, yeah, they lose something or they lose a parent. Um, if they've had a big move and anything that they're you're having a hard time processing, I think it's a good time to go see a therapist and talk talk it over with. But like you said, by the time people come in, they're just like, you know, they have 50,000 issues and they can't pinpoint any just one thing. Um, I'm, I advocate sort of having a therapist and... Um, like if you're in the middle of a crisis or a life-changing event, maybe you're going weekly. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, once you sort of get that worked out, maybe you go back to monthly and you just sort of like a maintenance, sort of like an oil, oil change on a car, um, just that preventative maintenance. Um, and then maybe you don't even need it monthly. You can just scale back a little bit more. So I mm -hmm. think it just kind of depends on what where you are um, when you go to the therapist and then once you start getting the treatment then you can scale back but i think it's nice to sort of check in every so often and process things that are going on just to keep you in line keep you in check y'all are dope can you say that one more time <laughs> y'all are man <laughs> y'all are awesome um because i mean it's, it's something that we all need and like i for one i'm like I want people to be well. Like, I, I, I wish that is something that we strive for as a community. Like, we, we strive for the success and we strive for, like, everything. But, like, how about we start striving to be well? <laughs> and, you know, that's one thing. I know, Jen, you mentioned earlier, um, trauma is a buzzword and people toss it around. Um, so it's therapy. I'm beginning to see that a little more. And that's one thing I'm really glad about. It's like... People are yeah. not afraid as much to mention they're, you know, talking to somebody or needing um, to go get help or they're not afraid to mention things about mental health. It's not as taboo as it has been in, in the past. And I am very glad. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something know. else came to mind. Um, just the thought of going to therapy just for the sake of therapy. Like, that's good, too. I don't think most of us are at that point yet, but like. Sometimes you don't have to be in a crisis or a problem to talk to someone because there's always something you can be better at or work on. Or mm -hmm. um, sometimes you'll find that there's a problem after you go that you didn't know was there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, something happened in childhood, but mm -hmm. it's like just bettering ourselves. So, yeah, you don't, you don't always have to have a problem to go to therapy, too. But yeah. I don't think culturally we're at that point yet. But I, I see it slowly going towards that area. That would be great. Because like you say, you're not operating independently. Like, So if we go to therapy where I'm a better wife for dealing with my issues yeah. or whatever. I'm a better parent, mm -hmm. um, more effective on my job. So like you said, it just you know has a trickle-down effect and affects more than just me. Yeah. Cause I'll say that because I, uh, in closing, like I, one of my sessions with my therapist, my wife had brought something up to me and I heard it and I was talking to my therapist and she said it in a way that I'm like, you idiot. Like, oh. what was I thinking? <laughs> and it was like the biggest aha moment. So like, I'm glad that as a, because of that, 
I can take that burden off of my wife as far as her being the only person to have to deal with it because that's, that's yeah. not her job. You know what I mean? I know we're supposed to bear each other's burdens, but she ain't supposed to be Incredible Hulk. You know what I'm saying? Your kids aren't <laughs> supposed to be Incredible Hulk or your mom or your girlfriend. Like, like, like I said, she's somebody professional. So, And I'd like to add, too, that even, um, even uh, mental health professionals have therapists. So I know when I was in my um, master's program, you have to have someone that you're talking to. So it's never a point where you arrive or because, mm -hmm. you know, you're in your psychotherapist that you have all the answers and you can sort of, you know, check yourself and you can, but you still need someone to bounce yeah. your stuff off of. So even right. therapists have therapists. So, yeah, <laughs> and they're very beneficial. <laughs> this was uh, educational. I, I hope everyone that's just been listening um, I'm not going to force anybody to do anything, but I at least want to erase the taboo from yeah. all that stuff. So, Yeah, and I want to say, too, I know you were asking earlier about um, how to get started. So you may think you can't afford it. A lot of jobs have EAP. Forget where it's, what it stands for now. Employee, assistant, something. But EAP. <laughs> program. <laughs> program. <laughs> and they, um, your job. <laughs> pay through your um, insurance. Um, so if you have that through your job, you can get six free sessions. I think that's each year. So then mm -hmm. you'll just, and they'll give you a list of different therapists in the area that, that operate under EAP. Um, so you'll just choose, choose one and give them a call and, or you can pay out of pocket. You can also pay out of pocket, but if you don't have yes. it like that, you can, <laughs> you can use your insurance. And some therapists have sliding scale too. Yeah. That's another good question to ask. Good like, do you do sliding scale? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't want to run it through your insurance. Right. I'll put something on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a part two in the future, maybe sometime next year, because I'm, I know the response to this is going to be big. So, uh, Jen, thank you. Um, thank you so much for everything um i pray you and baby girl continue to make more videos to make us all laugh yes keep us laughing <laughs> those are hilarious <laughs> thanks babe well love you all right this is the brothers of thunder podcast we love you guys peace eureka